Sometimes we do feel discouraged. And sometimes we do feel that our life is in vain. We're tempted to grumble and complain. And we're tempted to even give up. Where do you think that's coming from? That's coming from your enemy. I want you to understand something. You got to keep it in your mind. As the great football coach Bear Bryant said, the will to win is not enough. The difference in the winners is for those that were willing to prepare to win. And I want you to understand something. If you hide the word of God in your heart, you're armed and dangerous. You have one fight left to fight. That's the fight of faith. As long as you fight the fight of faith, as long as you keep swinging your spiritual fist, remembering that your adversary is not flesh and blood, but it's principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. It's a lying, cheating, sucker-punching, backstabbing, no-count sucker called Slewfoot, the devil, Lucifer, whatever name you want to put on him. That's more cunning than any beast of the field. He don't play fair, but that's okay because the Lord has armed us with his Holy Spirit who gives us discernment and that will cause us to have caution and warning for those ambushments that the devil would try to lay for us. But it seems like for the last two months, almost every message except for one or two, the Lord has dealt with me about trying to encourage the body of Christ. Everywhere we look, be it in print or on the media, in life all around us, in our daily grind, we see people that are struggling and battling and fighting and I happen to be one of those. I know most of you think that preachers are exempt from problems and trials and temptation and all of those things. But let me just pop your spiritual bubble. That ain't true. <laughs> We've been called to fight. A spiritual fight. We've been called to be encouragers of the brethren. And when there's no one around to encourage you, the Bible even says to encourage yourself in the Lord. Now we've got to recognize, and this is not probably popular vernacular coming from a preacher, but as I'm speaking of society, it's as good as it's going to get. Let me try that down here. In society, the conditions are as good as it's going to get. Now I'm not being negative. I'm not being a gloomsday preacher, but I want you to understand and study the Word of God that it talked about in the end time, there was everything that could be shaken would be shaken. There's going to be a sifting of wheat and tares. There's a separating of sheep and goats. God is refining His church and He's getting us ready to be that spotless church that he's going to call forth in what's known as the rapture or the catching away of the saints. And let me just tell you something that's going to make you go, whoa, 
And straight out of the word of God, it says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father. Don't get mad at me. I didn't say that. That's in his word. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father. He warns us not to be hearers only, but to be doers of the word. I ask the question tonight. Are you doing what you know to do according to God's word? Are you living a life the way you know that by the conviction of the Holy Spirit who's formed those convictions in you of do's and don'ts, are you living the life that's pleasing to God or are you just talking the talk? You see, God wants you to live as an overcomer, not being overcome. God wants us going forth because he says in his word, and the people that do know their God shall do exploits. We should be crushing the enemy. We should be taking territory. We should be leading people to Christ. I shared some statistics with you not long ago, and I'm going to share them with you again because I want you to get it in your spirit. 78% of all churches, of all denominations, are declining in attendance. Of the remaining 22%, 19% are maintaining based on people coming from other churches. This ought to be a wake-up call to every church in America that only 3% of churches of all denominations are growing the way churches are supposed to grow and that's through conversion, through reaching the lost. Through reaching the lost. Don't you understand that scripture is so simple that said that sheep beget sheep. If you're a child of God, it's your responsibility and your duty to be sensitive to the voice of God for those strategic appointments in your daily life, whether you're shopping or at work or whatever. When God sets up that opportunity for you to be an ear, to listen to someone for a moment, and then to give them a word of hope, to ask them if you can pray for them. Look, it's not your reputation that's on the line. It's His. He will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we're able to ask or even think if we'll just come to Him in faith. Because it's His will to save. It's His will to deliver. It's His will to heal. Don't you know and don't you understand that God's Word said that He bore stripes on His back for our healing? Don't you know that His Word says for this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of of the evil one. He's come to seek and to save that which is lost. If that's his mission, if that's his motives, if that's what drove him to the cross, and it was. See, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross. The cross was not easy. The cross was not enjoyable. The cross was not a pleasurable thing. Hee-haw may sing gloom, despair, and agony on me, but I want you to understand something. What the Lord Jesus Christ went through 
even before he got to the whipping post, while he was in the garden where his spirit groaned and where he sweat those drops of blood from agony and pain. Scripture says that he said, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But there was that, but nonetheless, not my will, but thine be done moment. Have you come to that place of not my will, but thine be done moment in your life? Or is it still all about you? Is it still about make me feel good? What I like, how I like it, when I like it. Don't get pharisaical on me. Don't dare be one to say, I thank God I'm not as other men are. That I tithe, I do this, and I do that. I want you to understand something. It's humility that God exalts. It's pride that he resists. And it's not about you. It should be about others. It's not about me. It's about others. It's about serving the Lord. Now I want to share with you for just a few moments tonight. Out of Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to talk to you just a minute about making a comeback from your setback. In this journey, in this race, in this life, we've all experienced victories. We've all experienced setbacks. Setbacks, I want you to understand, oftentimes are caused by other people or the devil. Then there are setbacks in our lives that we can take direct responsibility for that I brought upon myself because of some stupid decisions and actions that I've made. And I'm going to give you some biblical illustrations of that in just a moment. But Hebrews chapter 12 says, and I'm going to read slow tonight. Not that I need to be hooked on phonics. But I want you to grasp. Therefore, we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily ensnare us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostilities from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. I oftentimes try to just be plain and simple. The two of the devil's most successful tools and most used tools in his arsenal is to cause discouragement and hopelessness if he can get you and I so discouraged and so inward visioned and so magnifying our my problem then I begin to become hopeless and when I'm hopeless I can't have faith faith is what? The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So if I believe the lie of the devil that my situation is hopeless, I can't have faith. 
I've got to remember and remind myself and encourage myself in the Lord that as a child of God who is diligently seeking him and pressing forth to endure things and to persevere things and to do it the way God's word says to do it, that that's when there's no weapon formed against me that can prosper. I may have to go through some stuff, but like the old saying goes, where I've come through the test, I'll have a testimony. Where I've come through the fire, I won't smell like smoke. I'll be able to sing forth the praises of God. And I want you to understand something. You're not alone. I've had setbacks. I want to look at a few setbacks that others caused. Daniel chapter 12 verse 3. We know the story of the three Hebrew children. They had made this golden image and they would said, Look, when you hear the sound of the music, everybody fall down and worship this image. And if you don't, you're going in a fire. Well, the music played and these boys didn't bow. They call him before the king. They lay a, a trap for him and tell him what's happened. And the king liked these guys and they asked, he said, is it true that you don't bow and worship when the music plays? And they said, yeah, it is. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, guys. I'm going to play it another time. I want you to understand something. The, the world's ways and the devil will always give you another opportunity to mess up. And they played the music and they didn't bow so they heated up the furnace and they threw them in. I don't have to rehearse this story much. You all know it. They threw three in but there was four in there. And the fourth was like the son of God. And they got get these guys out of the furnace without even the smell of smoke on them. The fourth one's still in the fire, by the way. So that when you and I are in that fire, he's in there with us. How about Daniel chapter 6? When people were jealous of Daniel and they had gotten the king to make a decree that if anybody asked a petition or asked anything of anybody or any other god except the king, then they would be cast into a lion's den. Well, sure enough. Scripture says that after knew that the decree had been signed, he went up as he had before three times a day and he prayed. He made his request known to God. Well, these old boys don't like it. So they get him. They throw him in the lion's den. Once again, that kitty cat just became a pillow for him to lay his head on. And God brings him forth out of there. What about in Acts chapter 16? Well, Paul and Silas had cast a spirit of divination out of a young lady that was making a lot of money for some wicked men. They were upset they'd lost all of this income and they bring Paul and Silas before the magistrates and wound up whipping them and putting many stripes on their back and casting them into a prison in the inner prison, in shackles. What's the one common denominator you see in these three stories? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel, Paul, and Silas. They all stayed faithful. They all stayed true. 
And as a result, they all came out of the circumstance that they were in. And not only did they come out, but watch, they were all promoted in the kingdom. They all had more of a voice to proclaim. They all were heard by more people and their God was glorified more than before and people turned to their God. I want you to know that if you're in a circumstance or a situation that other people have laid traps for you or other people have set you back, things that you didn't see coming in life, maybe you've come home to discover that your spouse has packed your stuff and moved out. Maybe you've come to discover that a business associate has embezzled money and the list just goes on and on of things that you didn't see coming and you were blindsided by and you were set back by others you stay faithful to God you stay faithful to God you watch God show up and show out in your circumstance your situation in your life you let God be God one thing I've discovered every scripture no matter how small no matter how minor is powerful and he says, if we'll let God arise, your enemies will be scattered. But we've got to let God. We've got to look to God. We've got to call upon him who is the author and the finisher of our faith. We've got to trust him. We've got to walk the walk and stay faithful to him. Paul, at midnight, Paul and Silas sang praises. Those shackles fell off. The door swung open. They led the jailer to the Lord. and went, He wound up going to his house, leading his family to the Lord. So those are setbacks that others cause. Let's look at a few that people cause themselves. The great Moses in Exodus chapter 2. He sees some Egyptians whipping upon some of them Hebrew. Got mad. Moses got mad. And killed one of them. He let his temper get the best of him. I believe in the New Testament somewhere I read something like this. Be slow to anger. Be slow to anger. Be quick to hear. Slow to speak. One of the fruits of the Spirit is what? Self-control. You know, if you just be honest with yourself... I do this from time to time. I go and I get the fruits of the Spirit and I grade my paper. Is this love, joy, gentleness? There are weeks that I fail. There are weeks that I might make a C minus. Then there are weeks I make a B. I don't think I've ever made an A. Because I hadn't let all nine of them be operable every day of that week. And I want to encourage you, go do a study on the fruits of the Spirit and see if they're existent in your life, if they're prevalent in your life. Because you know what? You control that. So, Moses loses his temper, he kills this guy. Then in Judges chapter 16, we see Samson with his head laying in Delilah's lap and she's running her fingers through his hair and doing what you girls do. <laughs> Messing with her mind. This has absolutely nothing to do with the sermon, but I'm going to tell it to you. <clears throat> I shared a bedroom with my grandpa when I went in the army. Papa Tony's who I named my son after. And... Uh, 
I got to where I was kind of noticing the girls. I was about six. And uh, <laughs> Papa, he said, come here, boy, I'm going to tell you how to always have women. Well, I was all ears. He said, you save your money and you get you a $100 bill. When you buy her a coat, let her see it and put it back in your pocket real quick. As long as it's in that pocket, she'll be right there. He said, but now wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's another part of that. Don't never kiss a woman that's got lipstick on. Make her wipe that stuff off. Because they got dope in that lipstick, it'll make you spend that $100. And that old man was right. So, so, so Samson, he's laid up there with his head in Delilah's lap. And she's, old Samson, where does your strength lie? And he toys with her and he tells her a story or two that turns out to not be true. Finally, he reaches a point that he's basically, hey, I'm Samson. What difference does it make if I tell her? So he told her, if they cut my hair, I'll be like any other man. He went to sleep with his head in her lap, only to get a haircut. Kind of looked like Marvin. <laughs> Don't miss this. It said Samson got up and he shook himself as before and didn't even realize the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him because he had been disobedient to what God had told him to do. Now he's a child of disobedience. Now he's going to have to suffer the things that come with disobedience. And so they bound him and they gouged his eyes out and they've got him walking and working at the wine press and making sport of him and mocking him and cheering and jeering and... There he was. Disobedience. Jonah chapter 1. The Spirit of the Lord comes to Jonah and he says, I want you to arise, go towards Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the words that I'll give you. Like many of us, Jonah got up immediately. He went and bought a ticket to Tarshish, going the opposite way. He didn't want to do. He's in rebellion. I ain't even going to ask you to raise your hand, but I've been there. I've been in rebellion before. Only to find myself in a terrible place, just like he did in the belly of that whale. But now watch the common denominator here with these three guys. They all repented. They were in circumstances and situations that they themselves directly caused. They were a byproduct of their choices, their decisions their actions and they only find themselves in a terrible place to be but they had enough sense that when reality hit them they repented and they cried out to God and he forgave their sins and he cleansed them and he restored them and I want to encourage you tonight that if that's where you're at you need to repent. You need to ask God to forgive you. You need to get back to where you need to be. You need to get back to tending to business and doing stuff the way you know you're supposed to do it because this is a setback. This is a bump in the road. But it'll become a pothole and it'll become it'll tear the front end out from under your car before long if you don't change what you're doing. You can't continue to live in disobedience and rebellion. And doing your own thing and expect God to bless your life. That's not the way it works. 
Would you bow your heads and we're going to close. You're here tonight, man.